Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And despite the international break already being in full swing here at FSD, we are still here every single day bringing you the hottest takes from the biggest stories right the way across the Premier League. And with the majority of the Premier League jetting off for the final international window of 2021, we take a look at some of the latest updates and breaking stories from the last 24 hours. Right then, so let's get started. And uh, in part one, we're going to dive into the Premier League's latest fan-owned goal. As reports from the Daily Mail this morning claim the Premier League has blocked plans for clubs to organise a Boxing Day charity fundraiser. And as you'd imagine, fan reaction to the decision from the Premier League has met with an angry reaction. We're going to be discussing that, getting some of the latest takes on that and what we think the Premier League should or could do as a response to their original decision. And then in part two, we get our focus on Manchester United as one of the biggest mouths in football. Yes, Mr. Renter Gobb himself, Neil Warnock, has revealed, shock horror United fans, he's revealed that he doesn't rate Sir Alex Ferguson. Yep, yep, yep. You've heard it right. Neil Warnock does not rate Sir Alex Ferguson. We're going to be getting the details on that, so don't panic. But yeah, he's essentially said that he's not a fan. And alongside Ferguson and Warnock's lack of favour for the Scots, we also talk about Paul Pogba. Breaking news on him this morning that an injury could rule him out for the rest of 2021. Right then, so plenty to get through. My name's Fergal Brennan and joining me this morning, we have Marley Anderson. Marley, how are you doing? Morning, guys. Yeah, I'm uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Glad to see Eddie Howe getting his getting his uh, hands dirty on the on the uh, training ground yesterday. So full of positivity. Wonderful stuff. And Eddie Howe gets up early, and we here on Football Social Daily we're up early. And someone who's always up early, very early, pretty much every day of the week, Wednesday regular Matt Pid. Matt, how are you doing? 
I'm good, fellas. I'm good. I, look, I feel like um, Carl Darlow looked in that picture that I seen this morning, Marley. I absolutely knackered. It looks like he's, <laughs> uh, he's getting his hands dirty there, nice and early there, Eddie. How? <laughs> I'm knackered as well. I don't know what. Don't know what it is. I think it's the dark night. It's just something. I'm. I'm profit tired. Yeah, that's this it. Don't know what it is. It's Eddie Howe. It's the Eddie Howe influence. He makes everybody look tired because he's so energetic and he's so energetic at five o'clock <laughs> in the morning that it just. It just makes you look bad and it makes you feel bad. But, you know, let's uh, let's leave him to it. <clears throat> Eddie Howe, obviously, as Marley mentioned, we discussed uh, in depth yesterday. He's now been installed at Newcastle. He's had his first training session and things are already looking good. But something that's not looking good, Marley, has been overnight this story in relation to the Premier League and this decision to block a gesture from Premier League clubs surrounding homeless charity sh- uh, shelter and Boxing Day. So, essentially, Premier League clubs have contacted the Premier League to say that on Boxing Day... They want to wear their away kits. The home kits would then be signed, will be sent off to a charity auction. All of the money raised would go to shelter. All of the money raised from um, some match day revenue that they would also give away would be given to shelter. Positive gesture, a donation to a very, very worthy cause in and around Christmas when kind of you would like to think that, you know, positivity, helping each other out is, is in full full swing. The Premier League have said no. They said it contravenes sponsorship rules, it contravenes kit rules, and they've essentially blocked it. This is a really, really bad block for the Premier League. Yeah, it is. Um, it seems like an easy win, doesn't it? You know, why don't we all wear our away kits, which you're already producing? It's not like there's, it's not like there's a, a greater sort of um, carbon footprint on producing these kits that you're going to wear once and then essentially like get rid of and never wear again. Um, so it seems like a bit of an easy win and then you've gone gone to the Premier League and they've just gone nope and then they've made up some sort of they probably haven't they probably haven't made up a rule but it is strange to to see them hide behind like regulations and say stuff about sponsorship and and what have you because um as far as I can remember um there was there's a minimum amount of times that Premier League clubs have to wear their away kits and change kits anyway in the Premier yeah. League. So why not just have that as as one one of the one of the games where it counts towards that thing. If you've got to wear your away kit eight times in a season, why not just have this Boxing Day thing as as the away kit thing um and and have it count towards that tally and I feel like they've all gone oh it's because you know you can't have away kits being worn at home but there's been many times in in Premier League history where um, team teams have had to wear um, like made up kits almost to to get away with things. I remember Sheffield United a couple of years ago um, when they were in the Premier League came to Newcastle and had to have a um, a white kit manufactured because their home kit was red and white stripes. It clashed with Newcastle's black and white, um, and their away kit I think was black, um, and that that was too much of a clash as well. So they had to come up with something brand new on the week of the game. Um, and if you go back further than that, I mean, there was once, I think it was 2011 or 2012. Uh, sorry, no, it was 2008, actually. Newcastle played Hull at home um, and Hull Hull brought black shorts with them and Newcastle wore black shorts, so that was a clash. And the, the rules had to be changed on the fly, on the day, and Hull ended up wearing Newcastle's away shorts 
and beating them two hmm. one at St James's Park. So we actually, we actually <laughs> got beat at home with by a team wearing our own kit. Um, <laughs> Newcastle. Yeah, it's that's a new low. It, even even for Newcastle, that's a oh new man, low it's low. one of them. Do you know when people talk about your club being a banter club? Like that was that yeah. was that was the epitome of it when when Marlon King scored twice in a two one win for Hull. Um, but it's it's that the the point you know relating to that is that these things can be changed on the fly or whether it's planned these things can be changed so sponsorship and everything can go out the window if you want it to and the premier league has has turned around this time and just went nah not don't fancy this um and it is as you say a bit of a bad look for them um, Matt, as Marley says, this is an easy win for the Premier League. This was only for one match day, the 26th and the 27th of December. It would have made no <clears throat> real difference in terms of Premier League revenue streams. And as Marley said, logistics reasons, we've seen kits changed, we've seen anniversaries. Remember the uh, Manchester Derby a few years back where they played in those sponsor-free kits? We, we have yeah. seen flexibility, we have seen changes. But ultimately, the, the argument from this kind of comes from a cynical point of view of there's no financial benefit for the Premier League. Yeah, and that's what it ultimately boils down to. I mean, Christmas is meant to be the time for goodwill and, you know, peace on earth and stuff like that. And you'd think the Premier League could just absolutely just hold their hands up and go, look, okay, it's for a good cause. It's not going to impact anything like substantially, so why can't we just do it? It all boils down to the fact that the Premier League don't stand to gain anything from it other than maybe a positive image but I can't understand why they wouldn't want to do that. We all know football governing bodies are all motivated by money. That's ultimately what they want to do. They want to just create as much revenue and money as possible. We've seen it with ticket prices. We've seen it with TV rights deals. So I, I really just don't understand it. I mean, from a City fan's perspective, a couple of years ago, we did a thing called Tackle for Manchester, where Andy Burnham, Mayor of Manchester and Vincent Company, joined together to create this charity where they did um, they did this testimonial and the revenues raised from his testimonial went to the charity and then they did a gala dinner after that that raised more money for the charity so I just can't understand because we, we all know homelessness isn't just a city-wide problem it's a nationwide yes. problem and it's becoming more and more prevalent because people have got less and less money nowadays and things are costing more and more and more We've seen the positive impact that football can have away from just sport in general. We've seen it with the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen it with, you know, trying to tackle racism. We've seen it with trying to tackle homophobia. So why can't we just use it to tackle this very, 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 very big problem we have got in this country? Like I said, not just in the city, in the country in general. I'm pretty sure that the clubs involved in this, the 20 Premier League clubs, can and will discuss it together. And maybe, you know, maybe risk getting the fine from the Premier League. I'm sure Newcastle could just, you know, pay everyone's fine now. You know, they've now they've got loads of money. <laughs> they could just they could just pay everyone's fine. It would be City at one point, but we're no longer the richest club, are we? So I think yeah. it should be down to Newcastle if that's the case. Just be like this one's on us, lads, we've got this. Yeah. We've got this one, boys. <laughs> It'd be the perfect thing to do as well for Newcastle's new owners. It's like being on the port in the pub on Christmas Eve. Listen, listen, the new guy in work. I'll get this. I'll get this round. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, Matt. Come on, Manchester City can't be crying poverty. No, this. no, not at all. If they, if they have to be the ones, if Newcastle, if Newcastle forget their wallet, Man City, you're going to se- step up. No, um, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we've we've seen um, we'll see. Man City's owners for what they've actually done in the um, the general uh, east part of Manchester in general. Like, I don't know if you've drove past it on a few occasions. Like they've, they've built the new um, the new training facilities. They're building the new um, co-op arena next door to next door to the Etihad. Um, they've, they've helped create jobs. You know, they've they've made the area look 
less and less, you know, run down. So I think the City's owners should be applauded on what they've done with stuff like that. And they have actually helped with the tackle for Manchester thing with uh, Company and Andy Burnham. Look, I mean, it was just a joke that about Newcastle, but I think the 20 Premier League clubs, if it does come to it, should just join together and look, have a little bit of solidarity and go, no, this is something that we believe in. This is something that we actually want to, to help contribute towards. And um, if it comes to it, then we'll, um, we'll, all, we'll all join together and we'll all... We'll all put our hand in our pocket and we'll we'll take the fine. Marley, the clubs are kind of finding themselves as the good guys in this, in the in the right side of the argument. They proposed this and been turned down by the Premier League. But on the back of the European Super League, where it was kind of flipped, where the clubs were looking to push for this move that fans were so unbelievably against, they were absolutely adamant that there was no way the, the Premier League clubs would break away and join the European Super League. The Premier League probably for well, definitely for selfish reasons on their side, didn't want to see a European Super League. But if you're looking at this, and we all, we're all looking at this as, as fans of Premier League football, this is still just another example of greed. The European Super League was a massive example of greed from a select amount of clubs. This time round, it's greed from the Premier League. If you're looking at this as just an average match-going fan or someone that watches games on TV or, or however you watch football in the Premier League, this is just another demonstration that anybody, whether that's a club, whether that's the league, that's in a position of financial power just isn't interested in anything other than making more money. Yeah, and it's not it's not a surprise really, uh, unfortunately, because you know, the when rich people are rich and rich organizations are rich, they don't they don't take the foot off the gas. They want to get richer and richer and richer and make it more exclusive and all the rest of it. And, you know, you, you must have this money to this amount of money to play our game and you see that you see that sort of in the last Ten years and and well beyond twenty maybe thirty years, you know it's uh, it's all been everything's about money. The world's about money, but football in in particular is is bad for it. You know, um, they they're not interested in things that will look good but not benefit them financially, um, and that's ultimately what this comes down to. Because you know some of it might not be the Premier League per se, like just the Premier League. Some of it might be to protect sponsors um, and there probably is a bit of truth in that but also if you if you held talks with sponsors and said you know the the uh, shelter shelter have came up with this uh, this idea to wear away kits um, do you want to do it I feel like the sponsors would know that it's bad PR if they don't do it and good PR if they do so they would have their eyes open to this whole situation of saying you know what let's do this because it's an easy win. It makes our company look good and it makes our sponsorship deal with the Premier League. Um, it doesn't affect that negatively at all. So that's what we kind of could have seen. But um, I feel like they haven't done that and they've just gone, no, no, we'll we'll hide behind some red tape and some sort of litigation and, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll deny this. But we'll see it in the next week or so. Will we'll fan power and will public outcry of why not, why not do this very simple thing to make us look good? Um, and raise awareness of a real issue in the UK, like Matt says. You know, can we can we overturn this like we overturned the Super League and and other things in the past as well? There's a counter story, Matt, that's emerged that if the Premier League kind of dig in and refuse to change their mind on this, that for the 26th and the 27th of December, <clears throat> each Premier League club instead of wearing their away kit will wear the away kit of the team that they're playing against. I'm just looking at some <laughs> of the games. We've got Where's some that come games from? Well. <laughs> That's that's come out from the Daily Mirror that they think the clubs are just going to essentially go completely in the opposite direction. So <clears throat> Manchester City are home to Leicester on Boxing Day. Newcastle are home to United on the 27th. Would you be happy just 
just as an absolute two fingers to the Premier League, would you be happy to see Man City going out in Leicester's slate grey? It's a good job. Oh, uh, um, good job the... it wasn't a Manchester derby at the week at, at that day, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's the old... no. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's one get out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that 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 would be the only time that I wouldn't um, that I wouldn't approve it. But no, no. In in the words in the words of Kevin Keegan, I'd love it to see that. You know what I mean? I'd love it. Um, it. It would be the ultimate two fingers because they've gone from just simply wearing their own away kit to actually going the opposite direction and just wearing the club that they're playing against the away kit. Yeah, it would be it would be absolutely bonkers and to be honest I, can't, I really can't see that happening I really can't see the clubs actually getting together in the changing room going yeah lads let's swap shirts now before the game and you wear this and we'll wear that but yeah it would be in, in an ideal world if the Premier League don't actually you know sit down and because we like Marley said there's, there's still more room for discussion it's by no means over yet obviously there is going to be like we've seen with the Super League situation there will be probably some sort of protest down the line there'll be a bit of fan power and club power involved so let's hope let's just hope now over the, the next week or so the Premier League can um, see a little bit of sense and come to some sort of agreement with the clubs because I'm sure there's, 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 there's a way that the Premier League can benefit this from this obviously from a positive PR stance but you know, there's, there's got to be something else that they, they can, you know, gain from it. They've got, to, they've got to be able to gain something like we were saying. That's the only way the Premier League are going to jump on board with it. Surely there's got to be some sort of compromise we can come to. Uh, you say there's no Manchester derby on, on Boxing Day, Marley, but Le- Liverpool do play Leeds at Anfield. That would be a sight <laughs> to behold, seeing Jesus. Jordan Henderson running around in a Leeds shirt and Calvin Phillips pulling on a, a Liverpool top. But Newcastle will say, obviously, they're playing Man United on the 27th. If you're back home for Christmas, could you see yourself sitting there, Callum Wilson, pulling on a Manchester United shirt? Jesus Christ, uh, absolutely not. No, if, if this whole thing, <laughs> if this whole thing, the one thing I'm sure about that will not, will that will never happen is is whatever the mirror have just conjured up there to to fill a few column inches of this. <laughs> and I know, lads, why don't we uh, why don't we tell everyone that they're thinking about swapping shirts before the game? What what an absolutely bizarre thing to even dream up. Um, <laughs> Having said that, if that happens now, I'm I'm quitting. I might as well just stop <laughs> stop what I'm doing. Um, but it, honestly, if that happens, that is that is the end of football, I think. But uh, yeah, we had a good run. <laughs> Game's gone. We did. We did. We, the game we, has yeah, gone. We, we enjoyed it for for a bit of a time. Marley, obviously, we're kind of joking about this, and it is a bit bit tongue in cheek because we we do expect obviously people to just get together, thrash this out, and come to some sort of a compromise. Do you see this? Do you see this getting resolved? Like we all hope that something gets reached in terms of a settlement. We all hope that it goes ahead and that the donation is made to Shelter and, and people actually move on with this and make a, a positive gesture. But the Premier League do have a bit of a history of being the pantomime bad guy and just kind of digging their heels in, flashing the cash and saying, no, this is the rules, this is how we're doing it. Do you think this gets resolved in a in a positive way bet- between now and, and Boxing Day? Uh, I think there's a compromise to be had. Um, I don't see too much of... A difference between wearing wearing a, a, a different kit and then auctioning it off, or getting something like uh, a patch on the on the sleeve or on the back of the shirt, or something that promotes uh, the homeless charity in question, um, and then auctioning that off as well, because ultimately it's still going to go for a lot of money, and it's still going to benefit the the charity. So we've seen it with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, everybody had. Black Lives Matter on the back of the shirt, um, plus their squad number. Why can't something similarly be done for for shelter and and the homeless charities in question? So I feel like there's a lot of the NHS ground. one as well, weren't they, Marley? They had the NHS one as well, didn't they? Protect the NHS yeah. on the shirts as well. So that was another thing. 
Exactly, yeah. There's 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 a lot of middle ground to be had here to be found. Um, whether it's a wicket or or a patch or a special ball or whatever whatever it might be, there's 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 a negotiation to be had and, and some sort of agreement to become to be came to. Um, so we'll see if it happens. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think, as you both said, we, we look at this situation, there is so much money sloshing around in the game that there's no real reason why this can't be can't be sorted out. So fingers crossed that the Premier League and the Premier League clubs come to some sort of a compromise and this gets solved because nobody wants to see Callum Wilson in a, in a Manchester United shirt. Do they, Marley? <laughs> not least of all me. <laughs> <clears throat> no, definitely not. Definitely not indeed. But, you know, in January, when Mbappe comes to St. James's, Callum Wilson might be squeezed out. So you never know. You never know what might happen. <laughs> right. We are going to take a quick break here on the Football Social Daily. After the break, we're focusing on Manchester United. Neil Warnock, as you mentioned in the intro, has had a bit of a pop at Sir Alex Ferguson. Apparently, Neil Warnock, who's managed... I'd say in and around 55,000 Premier League teams, it seems, is not a fan of Sir Alex Ferguson. He's placed him fourth on his list of all-time Premier League managers. We're going to be chatting about that, and we're also going to be discussing Paul Pogba after the news that he has probably played his last game of 2021. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. Just a reminder, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you click subscribe, you can get a brand new episode every single day. We are here every day as the only daily Premier League podcast. Right, before the break, we talked about the mean and miserly Premier League looking to block a charitable gesture for Boxing Day and we all kind of agreed that we hope and pray and think that it is all going to get resolved. Right, so now we're going to focus a bit more kind of on matters on the pitch. Matt, I'm going to go to you first on this because as a Manchester City fan, I reckon you're licking your lips about this story. Neil Warnock, yes, Neil Warnock, Mr Angry, Mr Sheffield United, has come out with a bit of a wild statement. He did an interview over the weekend where he was asked to name the best manager in the history of the Premier League. And he rattled through a few names, but the big standout quote from what he said was, Sir Alex Ferguson was fourth on his list. Now, I don't need to remind you, Sir Alex Ferguson is the most successful manager in the history of the Premier League. 13 Premier League titles, two Champions Leagues. He's changed the face of Premier League football. He, for me, is the dominant force within Premier League football. But Neil Warnock has said that Arsene Wenger, Jurgen Klopp and your boy Pep Guardiola have made more of a difference to Premier League football. United fans are obviously apoplectic about this. Does he have a slight point or is he just on the wind-up? God, I think he's just turned into a parody of himself, Neil Warnock. You forgot about Mr. Just Been Sacked from Middlesbrough as well, um, which is probably, yeah, probably his like 5,000th club. Um, you know, I'm sure Warnock just wants to be <laughs> in the news. I'm sure he just wants to get people talking about him again because he's just been sacked. Look, there's, there's, there's a point there that he's trying to make that's just it's non-existent. Look, I think the way... The football's gone now. Football is evolving constantly. The game is always going to evolve. When you look at it from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the noughties, it's always evolved. It's always changed. The game now is a lot more is a lot more rapid. There's a lot more um, emphasis on um, dietary stuff like that, fitness of uh, the players compared to, what, maybe 20 years ago. Um, 
Wenger, when he came into Arsenal, they said there was a culture at Arsenal where you had like Tony Adams and um, Keown and players like that that was on the booze constantly, um, not eating very well. He came in and he changed all that and he turned Arsenal from this this club that was always like nearly men to being this club that was challenging Man United constantly on a on a um, yearly basis for Premier Leagues and ultimately went and won the Premier League away from them and went and completed one of the most unbelievable seasons well probably the most unbelievable season even though we Man City did the Centurions I think being unbeaten for a whole Premier League season is probably the biggest achievement up there even though they drew, they drew 12 games they still went a whole season unbeaten um, that's Wenger's achievement right there Guardiola's came in he's sort of changed the way English football the philosophy of English football now you look at clubs up and down the pyramid um, wanting to play out from the back they want to play this style of football now you see managers reading Pep Guardiola's books on how to how to change the way they play football you see managers wanting to pick his brains after each game that's testament to Guardiola himself as a coach um, Klopp in his own right is um, he's modelled his heavy metal style of football um, some clubs want to go down that route he's done things with Dortmund in the Bundesliga he wrestled um, the the Bundesliga away from them for two seasons straight he's won um, he's won German Cups there he's, he's been fantastic for Liverpool came in won them their first ever you know Premier League title won a Champions League there but Alex Ferguson he did it for, for 25 years plus came in won won the first ever Premier League didn't he so he comes in and he makes history there straight away he did it consistently. He did it. People talk about formations and stuff like that. Ferguson's style of football wasn't very glamorous. We can all say that, but he got the best out of some really, really, really average players, and that's testament to him as a man manager. And he did it season after season after season. There'll never be another manager like Sir Alex Ferguson. Look, I could sit here now as a Man City fan and go on the wind up and start saying, "Oh, well, Warnock, Warnock's got a point," but no. That, that, that would be just complete disrespect to, to that man, even though he made my life a living hell growing up as a City fan, because obviously United were winning everything and City were winning absolutely nothing. He, he can't dispute what he did for English football, and he very nearly didn't, because he very nearly got sacked. I remember the uh, Tara Fergie banner that he had up, and that he times up sort of thing, and this is a, this is a thing now that clubs don't do we've seen it with um, Nuno Spirito um, at Tottenham he, he didn't get given time no no one gets given time nowadays Arsenal, there'll never be another there'll never be another manager that lasts 20 years plus now I can guarantee you that Arsene Wenger was probably the last that's that's probably going to do that in the Premier League and as, as you can say from being a Ferg, um, an Arsenal fan Fergal when Arsene Wenger got sacked, people were saying, be careful what you wish for, and you've gone through um, managers now, and you, you look to be coming out the other end of it now positively with Mikel Arteta, and it's took enough time since he, he Wenger got sacked for that to happen. You can't you can't you can't underestimate what Fergie did for, for English football and for Man United as a club in general. He won the, and plus he won the treble. He won the FA Cup, he won the Premier League, he won the Champions League all in one season. And that's going to take a long time for that to happen ever again. Obviously, because it's not happened since 1999. You know, clubs have been close, but they've just never got there. And that's testament to Fergie in general. Ferg, like I said, Fergie got the best out of some very average players. Yeah, he had some money to spend, and he, you know, he, he did. Um, he did spend a few quid, and he did. Um, he, he did. He did buy a few players there, but the players that he did have in in initially, they weren't. They weren't necessarily great. He bought Eric Cantona. Was it for a million? 
<laughs> look what he did for Man United, yeah, for a million quid. So Warnock's completely just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's just trying to get people talking about him again, just since he's been sat for Middlesbrough. Now he's, um, now it's moronic what he's, he's come out with there. And uh, yeah, he should probably take a long, hard look at himself in the mirror after that. I mean, Marley, when you look at this, Matt does have a point that Warnock, he, Warnock is known for these things. He does just shoot his mouth off. But particularly, you kind of look at Sir Alex Ferguson and you think that that's just a universal truth, that United were the dominant force. Sir Alex Ferguson was the manager. He is the best manager in, in the history of the Premier League. But there's something that I always go back to, which was when United played Barcelona twice in the Champions League. And Ferguson himself and all of the United players said that that game was where they kind of realised the difference in levels. Barcelona were incredible, arguably the best club team ever. And Barcelona were light years ahead of what was an excellent Manchester United team that was dominating in the Premier League. And Pep Guardiola was sat on the bench for Barcelona. He was the boss then. He was the man behind that Barcelona team. So the success argument is always going to win out with Sir Alex Ferguson. But when you look at actually the best individual manager, Guardiola's not far behind. Uh yeah, <laughs> um yeah, but is that it? Is that all you have to say? <laughs> I don't. I, I, I'm struggling where to go with this because like, we we can't we can't really answer it now. Um, I think we could answer it whenever when everybody's retired. Um, but yeah, I mean, Guardiola's on course, of course, to have um to have a similar sort of impact on a career on a club like uh like Man City, like Fergie did with the United in the 90s, in the early 2000s, um, and even up to 2013 when he left. So, that you know, that time will tell, basically. Um, our kids, um, our grandkids will have this this argument and they'll be like, God, he always the best in the world. And then we remember Ferguson winning, you know, however many straight Premier League titles and it'll be like, oh, shut up, granddad, you know. Yeah, nobody remembers that old Scottish idiot. Like, oh, it was just a, <laughs> it was just it'll a. It'll be Eddie Howe by then. Eddie Howe will be the top top dog. Yeah, it will. <laughs> maybe yeah. It'll just be like, oh, you know, you you could play four four two out there back in that in that day, and you know, you don't know what you're talking about, Granddad. And it'll it'll never get settled like one way or another. But um, but you can't rank three. You can't rank um Klopp above above Ferguson because, you know, if you if like. If you look at what Klopp's done, it's fantastic at Liverpool. It's absolutely amazing. He ended that drought of winning them the first uh, title in 30 years. He took a pretty poor-looking team with the likes of uh, Andre Voronin and uh, you know Milan Jovanovic and Andy Carroll and all, all these players. Signed signed better ones. Signed Firmino, signed Mane, signed Salah, signed Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Alisson, all these players. And that's amazing, but they've won one Premier League title. And yes, they've won the Champions League, but we're talking about the best Premier League manager ever, so that doesn't always count, sort of, per se. But even if it did, Ferguson won more Champions Leagues than um, than Klopp has. He's won more Premier Leagues than Klopp has. He kept them at the top of the game for best part of a decade, probably longer. Uh, 13 titles in total, Premier League titles in total. Um, and Klopp's only done that once, so... Even if you can say Klopp might be a, a transformational manager, so was Ferguson, because Man United hadn't won a Premier League, a, a, a Division One title, um, in something like twenty odd, twenty odd years before Man United won the. Was it twenty six? Twenty six years. Twenty six years, and then, 20, years, yeah, and then Ferguson years, yeah. came in and ended that drought, just like Klopp has. Except Ferguson took the team on and kept them at the top of the league 
for you know up until sort of 2002 2003 whatever so you're talking another eight or nine years on top of that so to come out with to for, for Warner to come out with this oh he wasn't the best it, it seemed it smacks a little bit for me of jealousy um and a little bit of uh you know sort of hitting him because it's the cool thing to do and it'll get you in more papers and i think that's it's it's the paper thing and it's that's the it. fact that it's the international break um, and you've got to take those two things and put them together and gone. This is all a bit, a bit of uh, rubbish coming out of uh, coming out of his mouth for a few clicks, and that's what you have got to be wary of these days, I think. Yeah, and sprinkle it probably with a with a kilo of salt. Before we move on to Pogba, Matt, I just want to ask you. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a United fan over the weekend, and we were talking kind of a little bit along these lines, maybe preempting what Neil Warnock was going to say, and the whole thing of Wenger and Ferguson and the dominance that they had at the start of the the two thousands and the rivalry, the invincibles, the treble winners, and. Yeah, Arsene Wenger was transformational. Ray Parler was eating deep-fried full Englishes every day, you know, throwing the plate in the fryer, um, drinking pints for breakfast. That that all was done away with by Wenger. So Alex Ferguson at United just turned them into this absolute machine. But I look at City and Liverpool now, and I look at the standard, and I look at the essentially the games of chess that they have with each other, Pep and Klopp and the players... And everybody in the squads, the managers, is so fine-tuned. The margins are so, so thin. When I think back to Arsenal and United, it was war. You had incredible players. You had Henri, Van Nistelrooy, Beckham, Scholes, Vieira. But it was war, these games. You look at City and Liverpool now, and you just see two absolute elite beasts where there's nothing between them. Do you think they've they've raised the bar? Like we just assume, like we assume with Wenger and Ferguson being the dominant managers, that Arsenal and United were the dominant Premier League teams. Do you think City and Liverpool now have overtaken that in terms of the levels that they're at? We're talking about levels. There was a season, a couple of seasons ago, the eighteen nineteen one. We finished with 98 points. Liverpool finished with 97 points. I don't think that'll ever happen ever again. The stand Liverpool finished with 97 points. I don't think that'll ever happen ever again. The stand the punch. I think there was one point where City was um, 10 points behind Liverpool at Christmas. And we won 14 games on the trot to win the Premier League that season. And the only team to beat Liverpool to win the Premier League that season. And the only team to beat Liverpool undefeated Centurions that season. Because if they would have beat us that game... They would have gone the whole season unbeaten and finished with 100 points. So these are the margins that we're talking about. And that that game, um, I think it was just after Christmas, we played them at home, we beat them 2-1. That's got to be, for me, the highest quality Premier League game I've ever watched. Don't get me wrong, growing up, for me, the highest quality Premier League game I've ever watched. Don't get me wrong, growing up, with a can of Coke and a packet of Monster Munch sat in front of the telly, rubbing my hands together, I can't wait for this. Do you know what I mean? And you'd see uh, Keown and Parler jumping on Vanessa Roy, pushing him around. You know, you'd see the the war between Ferguson and Van Roy pushing him around. You know, you'd see the the war between Ferguson. There was there was always respect there, but there was always that physicality. It's not something you necessarily see nowadays. You might see it in the presses and stuff like that, but on the pitch, it's something you necessarily see nowadays. You might see it in the presses and stuff like that, but on the pitch, it's very very rare now. There's a lot of mutual respect between players on the pitch. We'll evolving. The players are evolving, the managers are evolving, the tactics are evolving and like you said there, Fergal, it's the very fine margins now that will win titles. There'll be the odd occasion where you'll get a surprise package in the Premier League, you'll get like, like a Leicester or something like that, but ultimately the the the, uh, the teams with the best coaches and the best, ultimately the, 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 uh, the teams with the best coaches 
and the best, a, a bit of a three-horse race for me. I don't think you can count United in the title anymore. I just don't think they've they've got enough. I think what's happened to them um, so far this season, they're probably going to change Sarsha at some point before the season ends, and they're going to go through another transitional period, which is music to my ears. Um, and you've you've got Conte just coming at Spurs, probably going to turn them around at some point in the near future. They're going to be up there. Um, but for now, you've got you've got two at Chelsea who we've not spoke about who's producing good stuff over there and you've got still got Guardiola and Klopp over at Liverpool. So yeah, this this season again it's going to be fine margins and for seasons to come it's probably going to be the same thing. Um, Newcastle in the future, Marley probably going to be a bit more sceptical about this than me but Newcastle now have got a lot of money in the next five years they're going to be up there so uh, yeah, football's going to be very exciting for the next few years and like I said it's more of an emphasis now on tactics and stuff like that rather than it was 20 years ago, more more just like, you know, brute force and uh, brute strength and um, that kind of physicality that get you through the, uh, the league titles. Let's look at Paul Pogba at Mali because he's lasted one training session away on France duty. They've got two games to wrap up their World Cup qualification, Kazakhstan at home this weekend and then Finland away in midweek as they look to kind of rubber stamp their place at Qatar. But Paul Pogba will be playing no part. He's torn or at least damaged a thigh muscle. He's flying back to the UK today. Post the Pictures posted on Instagram of him on crutches um, and initial estimates are going for between six and eight weeks that he's going to be out with. So that means the entire Christmas period he's going to miss. Just looking at the kind of window, it's probably between 11 and 12 games that he's not going to be able to play for. So we're going to talk about his future in just a second, but in the here and the now, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer himself, who's just gone off on holiday to get away from the newspapers and have a bit of a break, he's probably looked at his phone and gone, oh God, Pogba, now what? oh, he's injured, I'm going to have to do something. They've got a big run of games coming up. Solskjaer's under massive pressure. He's not going to have Pogba. He missed the derby at the weekend because he was suspended, but he's still massively important. What does Solskjaer do now in terms of in his team to replace Paul Pogba? Uh, I think this could be a blessing, to be honest. Um, I feel like, you know, we've talked a lot about, obviously, Pogba and and Man United over the years. Um, But just to, to recap... The, the sort of point I'm making is that Pogba is a very specific system player. He only plays best in a midfield three. Man United haven't been playing a midfield three this season. Um, they've been playing two holding midfielders and one a, and Bruno ahead of them. He doesn't fit into that system at all. Um, so if you're going to find a solution to Man United's bad form at the minute, he doesn't fit into this back five system, which doesn't work for Man United at all. Um, he doesn't fit into that. He fits into the same system as they played last season. Um, and Solskjaer has shown no sign of going back to that. So um, it could be sometimes like when you don't have players, it you, you don't worry about them. You, you pick the system around them because they're not available and you stumble across something that, that might just be there, might just work for you. And sometimes that can you can stumble across something and you can have a good season off the back of it. Um, I feel like if they'd had a couple more injuries this season, they might have stumbled across it already, but they haven't. They've had a lot of players like Sancho available, so he got a few games at the start of the season. Then they had to find out that he wasn't up to speed and not playing that well, and you almost have to go through the bad times to, to realise that, oh, Christ, he's not as as, uh, as as much of a solution as we thought he was going to be, so... It could be similar with Pogba, but again, it opens up the thing about his future. You know, he's he's available on a, a free at the end of the season. 
does he get a new contract? I don't know. Um, probably not. You probably want to flog him in January and try and get rid of him um, for something, just to just to offset that that uh, that money you've spent on him, bringing him back to uh, to Manchester United from Juventus. And ironically, he's probably going to go to Juventus again if 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 reports are to be believed. Um, so it could be we could have that case of Pogba's career going from leaving Man United on a free to go to Juventus. United signing him back for 90 million and then selling him on a free to Juventus again, like not learning from the mistakes. And that just sums up how, how poor Man United have been off the pitch over the past 10 years or so, or, or possibly longer. So it's um it's a bit of a situation for, for Man United, but it's probably not the most pressing one because the most pressing one right now is is on the pitch and uh, picking up wins ahead of this uh, tough period they've got coming up. Looking at the situation with Pogba, Matt, obviously now the fact that he's going to miss probably the rest of 2021 because of this injury, naturally people are going to start looking at his future. As Marley said, he's out of contract at the end of the season, no progress on an extension as it stands. And from the 1st of January, he is allowed to agree a free contract move to a non-Premier League team. He can start talks immediately then, no rules will be broken. And you would get the sense that behind the scenes, his agent we know is is someone that is not afraid to kind of get involved in a bit of the dark arts and, and get deals done, particularly if there's a few quid in it for him. So given the fact that he's probably not going to play again between now and twenty twenty, the end of 2021, he could have negotiated a move away, whether that's a pre-contract to leave on a free at the end of the season, or as Marley said, United push hard to, to get a fee for him in January and then sell him. Are we looking at a situation where Paul Pogba has played his last game for, for Manchester United? Ironically there, what you were saying about his agent, I remember it was the, the day before we played them at home and it was basically if we beat United, we won the league. And I remember there was a story coming out the day before that Raiola had spoken to Man City or some representative of Man City at some point offered Paul Pogba to Man City and obviously City rejected it. And the day after, we played them and that is... For 45 minutes, that's the best I've ever seen Paul Pogba playing a Man United shirt. They ended up was 2 0 up at half time, they ended up beating us 3 2. And Pogba turned that that, um, that second half around on his own. That is the best I've ever seen Paul Pogba playing a Man United shirt. And a lot of Man United fans that I've spoken to agree with me on that. It's been obviously he's, he's come in in that first season there with Mourinho and he's um, won a couple of trophies, but obviously won nothing since. It's just been a bit of a nightmare for him. We've seen that he's been played out of position. Yeah, he's better in, in a midfield three, in a diamond um, sitting on the left. But a player of Pogba's quality should be coming in and he should be doing it on a more consistent basis. Like I said, they signed him for 90 million, you know, and there was the old um, Pogback hashtag thing going on and stuff like that and all this hype surrounding him. He was dancing in Adidas videos. And it's just it's just not worked out for him. I don't know. I don't know what's happened. I don't know whether it's an attitude thing with him or what. Because we've seen that he can produce some moments of real brilliance and on on big stages like with France and stuff like that. So he, I don't. I just. I don't know what it is with Pogba. I don't know whether the club's just not been the right fit for him. There must have been a reason why Fergie wanted to get rid of him. A few United fans have said to me, "Why did Fergie get rid of him if he rate if he was that highly rated?" There must have been something going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about. I don't think you'll. <laughs> I don't think you'll see him play for Man United again now. I don't think. I think um, that'll be it now with him. I think United fans have lost patience with him. They've they've seen him and they've already made their minds up about him. And it's it's obviously been a shame. It's not. It's it's been a shame for the Premier League because we've seen him produce some moments of brilliance for Juventus. I remember when they were signing him and I was thinking, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? It was the season where we got Guardiola in. 
and I was thinking right well they've just took the shine away from that for us he's going to come in and he's probably going to be the best midfielder in the Premier League for a few years now because he was obviously still has age on his side at that point but now I think he just needs it to go and rebuild his career somewhere else like I said Juventus is probably going to be the place where he wants to go non-Premier League club he's loved by the fans there he knows the style of football it probably suits him more the slower game over there in Italy Um they're not going to get what they, they paid for him. You know what I mean? They're not going to get that. They're going to take a, a loss. They're going to take about a 30 mil loss. I think you'll see about 60 million be the limit with Pogba if anyone's willing to pay that. Or they'll do it over um, a couple of years like they've done with certain players in the past. So yeah, no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't think, um, I don't I don't think we'll see Pogba again in the United States. He's got this injury now. Um, the club are just got, going to want to probably just take the losses now and, uh, and offload him as soon as possible. Marley, I'm going to go to you kind of on the final word with this, with, with Pogba. Matt thinks that this is it, this is him done. Obviously, in terms of the injury, he's very unlikely to play again this year. There's there's a few options still on the table. He could come back in January, play, see out his contract and leave in the summer for free. He could agree this pre-contract with a non-Premier League club in January or United, as you mentioned, could sell him. So there are options on the table for both Pogba and United in terms of what they do in January. How do you see this playing out uh, in, in the next couple of months? Uh, if there's a buyer, sell um, if there's somebody willing to buy him sooner rather than later, I would I would do it. Um, however, once you get to once you get to January, you know Mino Raiola's no mug. He knows that there's more money in the summer on a free. He knows he can earn more, and Paul Pogba can earn more if they hang on an extra six months. They can easily talk to Juventus and say he's coming in the summer. Uh, we want a fifty million pound signing on bonus or something like that. And it'll it'll go that way because Raiola is a ruth, ruthless negotiator um, and he'll get the best for his client and by best I mean the most money. So I can see it playing out. He leaves in the summer, but if somebody wants to steal a march on like Juventus, for example, I could I could also see someone paying for him to to uh, to jump ahead of them in the queue. I could see someone like. PSG um, coming in for him if they fancy if they fancy him. I feel like PSG is a good a good fit for him. I think they've got too many midfielders right now, but I feel like they would have um, no issues in in bringing one of France's best players to uh, the to Paris to the French capital and have him as as a mainstay in that team. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, but I can see it. Playing out as is is basically his future is not going to be at Man United. I think I think we've had too much too much uh, time now. I think if we if we were ever gonna find that question of can Paul Pogba produce his best form consistently for Man United, if we're still asking that question five years after he came to Man United for the second time at the age of twenty four or whatever he was, you know you you're never gonna find it out in the next five years. You've, you'll have found it out in the past five years, and the answer to to, can Pogba produce his best in England has been a resounding no I, I would uh, I would think yeah, Pog back Pog go Pog stay whichever way it works out it's going to be a big January for Manchester United and for Paul Pogba guys we're going to call it there for Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily Marley Matt as always thanks so much cheers lads nice one fellas Great stuff, guys. And as always, here on the Football Social Daily, we are here every single day with a daily Premier League podcast. If you click subscribe, you can get the brand new episode as soon as it is ready. We'll be back tomorrow previewing what is a massive round of 2022 World Cup qualifiers. Don't forget to check out the podcast then, and we'll speak to you again very, very soon. 
Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. <laughs>